Well, hallelujah. I hope and pray everybody is wide awake as I am and uh, glad to be here in the house of the Lord. Church number five uh, we will be on this morning, and that is the church at Sardis. If I had to put a title to the message this morning, it would be something along these lines, the autopsy of a dead church. And that is the church at Sardis. And so this morning, as we look at this passage of Scripture, I'm going to ask that you may want to get out a piece of paper and a pen if you don't have one. And you say, Brother Robert, I didn't bring any. Okay, I'll have it all written out up here. If you want to get it afterwards, you're more than welcome to it. But I think the church at Sardis... Uh, sure serves as an illustration and an example for us, especially today, uh, in light of where the church is in the West, uh, also in Europe, uh, in many locations in Europe, and where we find ourselves even today. So, if you would take your Bible, turn with me to Revelation chapter number 3. We will begin in verse number 1. And as we read the Word of God together this morning, I pray that it will speak to your heart uh, as only it can. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to pray with me as we begin this morning. Father, we thank you for your Word. Father, we thank you for its truth. And Father, I pray this morning that we would allow your Word to do a work in our hearts that only it can do. I pray that the Holy Spirit would have free reign in this place this morning. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and that, Father, we would be obedient to what you lay on our hearts, what you call us to do. Father, may we seek you. May we search you with our whole heart. Father, may we be obedient this morning to your word. Use it for your honor and for your glory. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Revelation chapter 1 or chapter 3, verse 1. If you will notice as we read together this morning to the angel of the church in Sardis write, he who has the seven spirits of God, speaking of the Holy Spirit and the seven stars, says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Sardis is an interesting place. It's the capital of Lydia. It's all part of this area of churches, beginning with Ephesus, making your way on up into Smyrna, and of course to Pergamum, to Thyatira, eventually around to, uh, to Sardis, back around to Philadelphia, and back to Laodicea and around. It was probably one of the most important cities of the seven letters that you have here, and one of the reasons it was located about 50 miles uh, east of Ephesus, and it's, what's interesting about it's at the junction of five different roads that came through that area. And so, therefore, it was a well-known trading city. And that's who Sardis was. So as far as the city was concerned, it was an important city in this area or this circle of churches. The message to Sardis is, is so important because I honestly believe it serves as a warning to all churches that are living on past glory. 
And we can all go back and we can trace. Matter of fact, even going back to the days of the early church in Europe. And matter of fact, you can go back and look at the revivals that took place. Go back, look at the Welsh revivals. Look at all of that mighty moving that went through Europe. And matter of fact, you can even go there today and stand in front of some of the used-to-be well-known, Holy Spirit-filled, moving, evangelistic churches. And today, they are either libraries or pubs or have been totally shut down. And matter of fact, when you come to the West, when you come to the United States today, here's something else that's interesting. And I believe we can learn a lot from the church at Sardis. One of the things that we find in the West today, and I don't know how many of you know this or not, but it is estimated from some of the recent surveys that were done that somewhere between 80 and 85% of all churches in the West today have either plateaued or declining. And matter of fact, right now, on the average, around 25%, maybe a little bit more, are closing their doors in the West today. And the question becomes is, why is that? Why is it that we have come to that place? The church at Sardis is interesting. When you go back and you study some of the, the history of this area, and even of Sardis, you see they had a form without power. And I will tell you, if you're not careful, you can wind up with a form and no power. Matter of fact, you can go through the motions week after week. You can have the greatest form that there is. But my dear friend, listen to me. If there's no power, you don't have much. You just don't have much. And matter of fact, what happens more than anything else is we attempt to live off of past glory, but what we do is we honestly ignore the present decay. A form without power, attempting to live off of past glory. And matter of fact, I was thinking even in the years that, that I've been saved and been studying, matter of fact, one of the things that I love to go back and do is study all the past great revivals, to study the first and second great awakening. And what brought all of that on? And I, I will say this to you today. My heart, my heart longs for that. I mean, my heart longs to see a mighty moving of the Holy Spirit of God today in the churches. For churches to become alive. To come to the place and to the point that those in the community surrounding the churches know that something is going on down there on that corner or on that place on the highway. Something's happening there. But I also know, the scripture also says... That there's coming a day as we move toward the last days where the love of many is going to wax cold. And matter of fact, there's going to be a drawing away. And matter of fact, as we move closer to the last days, that moving, that working is going to become, it's going to come with more distance between them. But my dear friend, listen to me. That doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit 
cannot still be at work in our churches today. So, 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 so what happened to the church in Sardis? There are no words of commendation to the church at Sardis. And there's no words concerning any doctrinal problems. Matter of fact, there's no mention of opposition or persecution. None. In fact, here's the only thing Jesus said about the church. What they did have was about to die. What was remaining, what was left, those things that were still there in the church was about to die. Church was near death. I know your deeds, verse 1. That you have a name, that you're alive, but you're dead. So, so what would that look like in a church? Well, what I want to do is I want to give you five things real quickly. This morning, here is... if. To do an autopsy of a dead church, here's some things that you would probably find when you look at them. Number one, the very first thing, they're very content to live on the past. We live in the past. How many of you have ever said, I remember, do you remember when? Do you remember when the altars used to be full? Do you remember when the, the, the church used to be full? Do you remember when this and when that? And we go on and on and on and on. And please listen to me. It's all from the past. What about the present? I will say this. One of the things I'll say about Ascension Baptist Church, matter of fact, I put Gail through the paces last week. And here's what I had her do. I wanted to know not how many members we had, I didn't want to know how many people here on the campus. I didn't want to know how many people we had in Sunday school. Here's what I asked her. How many people have we baptized per year since 2012? And so, how many of y'all know this? You may not know this. You may know this. Some of you may know this. Some of you may not. Okay? I can say this. Praise the Lord. Wasn't our highest year? But it's one of our highest. We baptized 13 people last year. Baptized 13 people last year. And matter of fact, we've already baptized a couple this year. But we can't live off that past. It's great that we did. But what about this year? What are we looking for God to do in our midst this year? Here's the second thing. We're more concerned about tradition than spiritual vitality. I tell you this, we live in a different culture today. But hold on, wait, hold on just a minute. I know what some of y'all are thinking. Wait a minute, Brother Robert, hold on, preacher. Don't tell me the church is going to become like the culture. No, it's not what I'm saying. But ministering today in the culture that we live in, I will tell you, there was a day when absolute straight evangelistic preaching was what, was what spoke to people's hearts. I will tell you today, the generation we're dealing with today is not so much evangelistic. Here's what it is. It better have some apologetics to it. 
Because they want to know why. Well, why? Well, why? I remember when our kids were growing up, I had one. We had one. We had one. Every time I turned around, why? Well, why? Well, why? Well, why? Any of y'all have children like that? Well, why? Well, why? Well, why? Well, why? And then she'd, then she'd ask those hard questions. I'd say, you need to go ask your mama. <laughs> I just don't know how to answer that question. Let me tell you something. What we're seeing today is people, they're looking for answers. They want to know why. Why is it so important? Number three, concern more about a social gospel than the life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ. I can tell you it's not about a social gospel. Those things have their place. But what's more important than anything else is the life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what people need to hear. It's a gospel that transforms lives. It's a gospel that brings about change in the life of an individual. Not a social gospel. I will say this to you. Jesus said, you'll always have the poor with you. And matter of fact, all the social situations that we find ourselves in today, we need to minister within sight of those. But understanding and realizing, please listen to me, that if there's not a life-changing gospel associated with the social aspect of it, you don't have much. There's just not much there. Number four, we become more concerned about material things than spiritual things. Oh, we got enough money in the bank. We don't have anything to worry about. Well, look at all these buildings we've got. Man, we got plenty of parking. We got plenty of space. We don't have to worry about anything. We're more concerned about the material aspect of the ministry than we are spiritual things. Let me tell you something. It's about reaching people with Jesus Christ and seeing their lives transformed. That's what we should be about. Who cares if we got enough money? Well, okay, hold on. Maybe that's a little far-fetched. Okay. There's a place for that, but that should not be our main focus. And I will say this to you this morning. When we put the things of God where they should be in the right priority, I will tell you, you don't have to worry about the rest. You don't. Don't have to worry about the rest. Number five, we become more concerned about what men think than what God says or what he said. We're more concerned about what the world thinks than what the word of God says. And my dear friend, one of the things that the church needs to do today is to stand on the truth of the word of God. But you come to verse 2 of Revelation chapter number 3 and you find something else that's interesting. But some life was still present the good that remained needed to be stabilized and strengthened. Look at verse 2. He says, wake up. What we need to do, we need to wake up. And he says, strengthen the things that remain. 
Those things, look around, those things that are still there, those things that are still in place, those things that are still important. He said, those are the things that we need to strengthen. And then he says, because they're about to die. Let me tell you why. Because they're neglected. We get more hung up on trying to take care of these five things than we do on the things that remain, that spiritual vitality that may still be present. We're doing more time chasing these five things than we are building on the spiritual side. At the end of the day, what's important? Because I can tell you all five of those things that we just went through, they're going away. What's going to remain? The only thing that's going to remain is what we've done for the Lord and what we are doing for him. Next part of verse 2, for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God or perfected in the sight of my God. What in the world... What in the world did John mean with that statement? Their works needed to be completed or perfected before God. What, what in the world does he mean? Your works, what you do, should be pleasing to God. So everything that we do, we should seek to please him with. So may our works be completed or perfected. In other words, be pleasing to God. It's what we do, pleasing to him. I often pray for our services that whatever we do through the singing, through the giving, through the preaching, everything would be acceptable in his sight. And I can tell you this morning, it doesn't amount to a hill of beans whether it's acceptable to me or not. What's important is whether or not it's acceptable to God. That's what, that's what John is writing here, that they be perfected or completed in my God. In other words, that they're pleasing to God. And then you come to verse 3. Here comes the tough part. It's to understand and realize that and to remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. I, I want you to notice those four things. Remember, received, keep, and repent. You see those four things? Remember what it is that you received, keep it, and repent. You see, it's that last one that we often have the most difficult time with. The church is summoned to remember and repent. And let me, in other words, what is John saying? It is time for the church today to come to the place that we have an honest awareness that something is wrong. An honest awareness that something is wrong. He says, remember. Remember what you heard. 
So if we remember what we heard, we go back to the, to the Word of God and, and we remember those things that we've heard when it comes to our salvation and our walk with the Lord and the, and, and the filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives and then to repent. God help. Let me tell you something. If we want to see the church get back to where the church needs to be today, it takes each one of us individually. Because I can tell you right now this morning, I can't do it by myself. It takes all of us. It takes all of us. Let me ask you a question. Wouldn't you love to see? I don't know. Some of y'all may look at me like, Brother Robert, have you lost your mind? It must have been all those miles of driving did something to your mind. As I've been going through these seven churches and I've, I've looked, and matter of fact, I've kind of charted it out and gone through and done a comparison between all seven of them. And when I came to the church at Sardis, number five in the list, in this region where the gospel was new, it was beginning to spread. And Jesus writes this letter to the church at Sardis. And he said, he said, you have this name that you're alive, but you're dead. I got to thinking about us here. I said, you'd think by riding up and down Airline Highway, you see that nice big lit up sign out there. It's got all this stuff on there. I, I, from every perception, it would say, boy, I tell you what, Sentient Baptist Church, it is thriving and it's alive. Are we? Are we? The question becomes is, do we have a name that we're alive, but are we living up to that name? You see, if they continue their current path, Jesus writing to the church at Sardis, I want you to notice what will happen. The next part of verse number three, therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what hour I will come to you. You're caught off guard. You're not watching. You're not waiting. You're not seeking. Matter of fact, I'll come to you as a thief in the night. With what? Judgment. With judgment. To judge them. But then we come to verse 4. And I will tell you. When I came to verse 4. But. That little three letter word but. Light of all of this but. You have a few people in Sardis. Who have not soiled their garments. And they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. There are a few. There is a remnant. Listen to me. God has always had a remnant, and he will always have a remnant. What about Elijah? Went up on Mount Carmel, had the showdown with the, with the, the priests and the prophets of Baal. And after it was all over with and the tremendous victory Elijah saw on Mount Carmel, 
I mean, the height. Uh, could you imagine being on Mount Carmel, watching God do what he did with the, with the altar that was there, completely consumed it with the fire, licked up all of the water that was around it. Elijah goes into the wind, and guess what happens to Elijah? He starts feeling sorry for himself. Why? Jezebel had put a bounty out on his head. And here's what Elijah said. Me and me only. I'm the only one who have not bowed my knee to the image of Baal. God had to get his attention and say, Elijah, hold on just a second, son. You're not the only one. Matter of fact, I want you to go over to the next town because there are 7,000 over there who have not bowed their knee to the image of Baal. There's a remnant, folks. There's still a remnant today. Is there a remnant in the church? There is. Who refuse to go the way of culture or the world and stay true to the things of God. Only those who overcome, verse 5, will receive white garments, names inscribed in the book of life, and be acknowledged before the Father and the angels. Notice verse 5, he who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments. And I will not erase his name from the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. You see, the call to righteousness and holiness isn't optional. It is not optional. The call to holiness and righteousness is about who we should be as believers. And please don't get concerned that I use the word holiness. Do you understand and realize as God's people we should be holy? Why? Scripture says we should be. We're to be holy. Why? Because God's holy. And we should seek that in our lives every day. What about righteousness? Walking, doing those things that God has called us to do. You see, those who belong to God live in a way that's pleasing or that pleases Him. Or at least that's the way it should be. The one we belong to, we should seek to to please. The one who is our father, we should seek to please. Why? Because we love him. And because of his love for us and our love for him, our walk every day should be one that pleasing or that's pleasing to him in all that we do. I said earlier, current estimate. Up to 80% of churches in the U.S. are in a state of plateau or are declining. Why? You know, the question becomes is what changed? What has, what has changed that we find ourselves in that place? Can we turn it around? I can tell you this, God can. All right, here's the question we have to ask ourselves today. Here it comes. I'll give you the question. 
So as we look at today and we look at our churches, what is the question we should ask? The question is, how are we doing? How are we doing? That's the question that we need to ask. But be careful without allowing apathy to set in. Oh, hey, we baptized over 10. We're good. We got X number of dollars in the bank. We're good. All the air conditioners in the building are running. We're good. All the parking lots are paved. We're good. All the gutters are are fixed and they're all flowing well. We're good. We got all of these things in place. We're good. Boy, we got, we got programs and everything. Hey, we're good. Really? So here's four questions I want you to answer today. And this is where I wanted to get to from the letter to the church at Sardis. Verse 6, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So here's four questions we all need to ask ourselves. Number one, this is the first question. Am I in fellowship? In fellowship with what or who? What does it mean? Am I in fellowship? Are you in fellowship with Jesus Christ? See, that's the number one issue. Are you in fellowship with Jesus Christ? My simple question to you today is, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? If you died today, do you know for sure where you would spend eternity? I do. Matter of fact, there's a billboard I've noticed out on the interstate. Okay? Um, I, think, I think if you look at the letters, it's if you know, you know. Well, it's not a matter of if I know, I know. Mine is a matter of I know, I know, I know. I know where I'm going when I die. Why? It's based on the promise of the Word of God. So my question today to you is it's a question you have to answer. Am I in fellowship and am, am I in fellowship with Jesus Christ? Number two, am I currently serving? I will tell you this. The church in the West, church in Europe, where we find the church today, am I currently serving? In other words, what does that mean? In a place of service. If you're a believer today, here's one of the things I want you to understand. The Holy Spirit gifted you to serve in the body. Couldn't you imagine if all of our churches across the country that we had volunteer lists of people waiting to serve in different places. See, we got this triangle today, but it's upside down. We have a triangle today that the point is facing down. Basically, 10 to 15, 14% of the church is carrying most of the load with the bulk of it on the top, where it ought to be, is it ought to be flipped around the other way, that the foundation of the base of the triangle is those who are serving and supporting in the church, not the tip of it. I know that doesn't, listen, that's not popular. But we wonder why sometimes it just seems like we're just not making enough headway. I can, let me, if I can encourage you with this today, let's all 
Let's all rally together. Let's get together for the cause of Jesus Christ. Number three, am I being faithful? Am I being faithful in my place of service? Wherever that is, whatever that place of service, am I being faithful in my place of service? And then the last one, number four. Am I being fruitful? Am I being fruitful? What, Brother Robert, do you mean by being fruitful? Are you seeing change in your own life? Are you seeing change in your own life? The church at Sardis. Taking fast forward to today. Our churches today. And please listen to me. This, this, this letter has spoke more to me in the time that I've been doing this series than the, than the other letters that are in there. Because of the statement in verse 1. I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you're alive, but you're dead. God help us that we would never come to that place. Hey, the past, it's been, hey, it's been wonderful. Matter of fact, uh, here in about another week, I'll be 57. Boy, there's people talking all over the place, <laughs> offering up their own opinions, lying on the pulpit. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I was thinking back and looking back over the past. And if we're not careful, we can get our eyes so focused on the way it used to be in the past that we miss out on the blessings of the present. If we're not careful as a church, we can get so hung up of looking back on the past that we miss out on the blessings of the present. And I don't know about you, but my future looks, you can't put a number on it. It looks a million times brighter than the past ever will. For the church, the future looks a thousand times better than it ever will have in the past. Why? Because as the bride of Christ, one day the marriage will be consummated. Come on. The church does not have to be dead. Amen. 
Jesus Christ isn't, is he? Is he alive? Then let us be alive as well. Amen? Would you stand together with me as we pray? With every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. If you're here this morning, I want to ask you a simple question. Do you know for sure today that you've been born again? In other words, that you've been born from above. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? If you don't, if you don't, please, please know this. Jesus Christ died for you. God the Father loves you more than you'll ever know. And Jesus provided a way that you could spend all of eternity with him. But it's up to you. It's up to you. What will you choose? Which, which path will you choose, the world or him? This morning, serving together, finding a place to serve with a body of local believers. If that's something God's speaking to your heart about this morning, won't you be obedient and just follow his leading? If it's here, great and wonderful. If it's not, then define that place of service in your own life and in your own heart. And it may be for an area of service. And may we see once again God moving in our hearts, raising up once to serve.